Yes, the Bible says it's not good for man to be alone. And here you are, Barrett, alone on this podcast. I think you're going to be okay. Press on, be bold, be strong. It's going to be all right. Welcome to the Imperfect Normal Families Only podcast. This is one half of your normal team, Barrett Johnson of Info for Families presenting today. My lovely wife, Jen, is taking a hiatus for this week and next week as we're presenting something very unique today that uh, is not our typical format, but we're glad you're here. And uh, as long as you're okay with half of us not being here and the quality and the standards and the content being 50% as good as usual, then we'll be just fine. Today we're looking at pornography and the impact it has on our family and how we can have uh, the most uh, best chance of decreasing its impact on our kids and our marriage. Pornography is here to stay and it's uh, a plague in the modern era and it impacts a lot of us in crazy ways. And if it hasn't impacted your family yet, it will eventually. And so today we're going to do something unique and that we've got a talk that we gave uh, about a year ago that we now present regularly that is all about the impact of pornography on our families and how we can minimize it, how we can deal with it. And so this will be done in two parts. Part one is today, and then you listen in a week from now, we'll do part two. Part one of the talk that we'll do today is devoted to the realities of the industry and how it does impact our families and our kids and our marriages. We talk some about how the pornography industry is so strong that it's even driven technology, uh, you know, VHS versus Betamax and the digital revolution. It's been at the helm of all of that. And so it is here, and it's not just a thing of, you know, if it impacts your families, but it's when it's going to impact your family, your children will stumble onto it. And so we've got to have a plan to deal with it. And so this is kind of a somber, serious podcast. So we'll do a little introductory material, uh, kind of streamlined from our normal stuff and uh, do a few introductions. And then we'll roll about 25 minutes of that talk along with a little Q and A at the end that we'll cover. And then again, visit in next week for a part two of all this. And we'll share resources as we go, both in the talk and as we wrap up this material at the end. But to keep things just a little bit normal, we'll begin with our typical segment of what's happening in the news. Well, I do have a story to cover that's related to the pornography epidemic, but uh, first we'll talk about local news. I'm broadcasting day from Atlanta, and uh, the pollen is here. Everything's yellow. I saw a news report the other day that the pollen count was above 6,000, which is like the highest that Atlanta has experienced in the last six or seven years. I always joke being from Houston where the humidity is bad. Folks live in Atlanta that complain about humidity have never lived in Houston. But for my friends in Houston, everyone who lives there and complains about pollen, you've never lived in Atlanta, Georgia. So throughout this podcast, I'll probably be hacking and coughing and sneezing. I'll do my best to clean those up, but it is killing us here in Georgia. So I hope you're out there enduring or staying indoors for the next month and that we all survive. In the news related to this pornography thing, it's interesting. I saw a report from fightthenewdrug.org at the end of last year, so it's a few months old, that 11 states now have passed resolutions in the state legislatures declaring pornography a public health hazard, a public health issue. They've declared it's not like a law or anything, so it's not going to change anything, but they've all agreed in these uh, House of Representatives at state level that pornography is causing mainstream impacting problems on lives and families and our way of life in America. Those states include Arkansas, Florida, Idaho, Kansas, Kentucky, Louisiana, Pennsylvania, South Dakota, Tennessee, Utah, and Virginia. Fight the New Drug says it this way. Why does it matter? Uh, Let us explain why we're on board, even as a non-legislative nonprofit. They say this. When a local government chooses to acknowledge pornography as a threat to society, we understand that one, People are advocating the issue enough to gain the attention of local leaders 
And two, local leaders are equipped to efficiently implement valuable resources like information, education, awareness to further advocate against the threat. So see, it's all about awareness and education, which is what we're all about. So Fight the New Drug, who we love as an organization, is definitely coming behind this kind of stuff. They go on to say, when a government signs a state resolution to declare pornography an issue of public health concern, they are not banning pornography or punishing its consumers. Instead, they're giving a platform to the research and declaring an emphasis on the issue to develop and promote resources to educate and protect citizens and communities. So from our perspective on this, with a, as a faith-based organization, Info for Families has always said pornography is a bad thing for marriages, for relationships, for our hearts and minds, all those things, because it's you know, fundamentally a sin issue. But even if you're not a person of faith, it affects people. It affects relationships. I love seeing videos of uh, Russell Brand or uh, the Baywatch girl, uh, Pamela Anderson, them advocating for how porn is dangerous and how it negatively affects relationships and lives. And so it's it's encouraging to see the secular world coming around on this issue. It's not just a faith-based issue or a spiritual issue, a sin issue, a, a picture of the brokenness of our world. The public arena is beginning to dialogue about how this is a significant issue on our lives and families. And so if you don't believe me, then you probably haven't known somebody who's entered into divorce because their partner had an overwhelming obsession with pornography, or you haven't met a family who has a 10 or 11 year old who got kind of addicted to or exposed to and then addicted to hardcore pornography and the impact it had on their heart and mind. It's out there. So it hasn't impacted you or someone you love yet. It's perhaps only a matter of time. So what we're going to do now is we're going to move on to our main event, our main content. And once you hear our jingle run here, we'll roll about 20 or 25 minutes of this talk. The first part of the talk we gave about a year ago related to the impact of porn on families. And again, this first uh, segment today is more about awareness of how bad it is and where it is. And we'll go on from there in week two. So enjoy this. of the websites on the internet are porn websites, 12%. Uh, That is not a small number. Uh, Websites, apparently, in a study done a couple years ago, porn websites get more traffic, more traffic in America, porn websites, from than Netflix, Amazon, and Twitter combined. So just think about how much time you spend on Netflix or shopping on Amazon. Um, I'm not cool enough to use Twitter that often. I've got a Twitter account, but I'm not that prolific. Uh, those three combined doesn't add up to the amount of traffic gone to porn websites in our country today. Huge, huge traffic uh, going through there. Uh, Hollywood makes about $10 billion a year off of about 600 films. The porn industry makes about $15 billion a year off of about 13,000 uh, films or videos filmed every year. Bigger than what's produced from good old traditional Hollywood. And I read that stat and I was just absolutely stunned by that because I know what big business Hollywood movies are. The porn industry is is even bigger than that, unbelievably so. Uh, More revenue is generated from porn every year than uh, the NBA, Major League Baseball, and the NFL combined. More money is generated than those three industries. And you go, how is that possible? Well, of course, because it's all under the radar. It's not in public. It's underneath the radar, but still money's changing hands and being generated. More than half of all divorces today uh, mentioned one partner having an obsessive interest in porn. I think the number was actually 60%. 
So 60% of all divorce decrees, divorce contracts, filing for divorces deal with some issue. Porn is brought up. It may not be the number one issue. It's not the cause of divorces. But when they list, here's the reason that we're no longer willing to be married. That's one of the, uh, 60% of the time, that's mentioned as a key element. Uh, More. A 2009 study found that areas with more conservative and biblical worldviews, i.e. the Bible Belt, showed higher rates of porn use than non-conservative and non-evangelical areas of the U.S., Now read that and take that in. More conservative, more evangelical regions show more porn use than those evildoers up in the, you know, the Northeast or on the West Coast or whatever. That just floored me. Number one state for porn use, this is surprising, Utah. You can read into that what you want to read into that. Utah, most porn use in the country. Um, a decade ago, 50% of Christian men and 20% of Christian women admitted to a pornography addiction. This is a study from 10 years ago. So it's an older study, but I found it. I thought, you know what? If 10 years ago, 50% of men, 20% of Christian women admitted to some form of pornography addiction, that number's got to be even worse today. Uh, it's, it's got to be because it's more available to, to us in our culture. In our culture. Uh, a couple more. The average age of first time exposure to hardcore porn is 10 or 11 years old. First time exposure to porn for most of us who are 40 something and over in the room was probably seeing a dirty magazine somewhere. And that's a picture of a naked woman. The first time exposure for our kids at 10, 11 years old is typically not there's a naked body because video is so prevalent on the web these days, even just YouTube and then going on from there. Again, most of our kids are seeing the most obscene things you could ever imagine. Uh, A good friend of ours um, saw some weird behaviors in their nine-year-old daughter. Nine-year-old little girl. And um, this little girl had been borrowing mom's cell phone and really just exploring and dorking around looking at pictures on Instagram. And at one point, mom saw enough behaviors that were kind of weird and strange. And she's really pressed in. She did some research and investigated and found daughter had found a couple, a stream of stuff on Instagram, uh, some hashtags. And Instagram has a no nudity policy, but plenty of stuff sneaks through before it's flagged. And, and, and she had seen all kinds for two months, all kinds of the worst pornography you'd ever imagine. Nine-year-old girl having no one to help her to get navigate it at all. So, so far that this little girl, this, this mom quoted her daughter to us and said, my daughter said this, she said, I just want you to know mom that if I have to put that thing in my mouth to have a baby, I'm never getting married. That's what she had explored and seen as nine year old little girl, innocence lost. So again, troubling to no end. Um, let's talk about theology of porn. Number one, theology of porn, you can fill in some blanks. Number one, there's no mention of porn in the Bible. No mention of porn in the Bible, but lust is addressed uh, a number of times. Make very clear on where lust is addressed. A couple of verses to look at, and we'll just look at this very quickly, and you can look up and do more Bible study on your own later on. Uh, Proverbs 6.25, do not lust in your heart after her beauty, or let her captivate you with her eyes. This is, Proverbs 5, 6, right in there, are some great words for dads to talk to his sons, but it talks about how, hey, don't settle for an alternative. Guard your eyes from the stuff you don't need to be seeing. Don't let lust uh, get overwhelming. Job 31.1, in the middle of Job's conversation with his friends and with God and what we see in Job and all that he went through, he says, I made a covenant with my eyes not to look lustfully at a young woman. So again, you have Job say, you know what, I'm going to, I'm so serious about this, I'm going to make a covenant with my brain and with my eyes to say, you know what, I'm not going to look lustfully upon a woman. And again, for guys to recognize that that we can recognize, uh, men, uh, the, the, the beauty of the female form, you know, 
you can go boom, it's all that, but we can bounce our eyes away very quickly. But it's when our eyes linger and, and we entertain that and we uh, store thoughts or images in our brain of what we've seen that it moves into lust. Um, we've we've got to learn to say, to bounce, what Stephen Arterburn says, bounce your eyes from what you're seeing. Say, hey, nice job, God, let me move on somewhere else. Or in many cases, it's not even nice job, God. Well, that was carefully crafted in a laboratory somewhere <laughs> because of you know, what we do to our bodies these days. But again, lust is very, a very, very serious matter. Uh, number, thing, number two on theology, Jesus teaches that sinful thoughts are just as serious as sinful actions. In the Sermon on the Mount, Matthew 5, 27, Jesus, of course, says this, you have heard it was said, you should not commit adultery. But I tell you that anyone who looks at a woman lustfully has already committed adultery with her in his heart. If your right eye causes you to stumble, gouge it out and throw it away. It's better to lose one part of your body than your whole body to be thrown into hell. So again, it takes very, if this is causing you to stumble, again, Jesus uses this figurative language, say, get your eye out, take it very, very seriously. But I think Jesus even knew what he was talking about regarding and knew what would be facing in modern 21st century America regarding lust and porn and even the effect of masturbation. Because he goes on to say this in verse 30, if your right hand causes you to stumble, could it be that our, our Lord was mentioning, you know, your eyes and lust and your hand, your right hand caused you to stumble, cut it off and throw it away. It's better for you to lose one part of your body than for your whole body to go into hell. What he's saying is, take this seriously. The lust of your eyes, the lust of your mind, and what you're seeing, those thoughts are just as serious, have just as serious effect on you as uh, actual adultery, physical adultery. Now, it's interesting, when I was writing our book, The Talks, so we have a book out there that we, it's kind of our manifesto for coaching parents on how to help your kids navigate our hypersexualized culture. And in The Talks, uh, we talk about porn. I tell a story in that book where uh, we were at a dinner at a nice restaurant, my wife and I, and we were in the middle of teaching a series, a four-week series of parents about helping your kids navigate this hypersexualized culture. About 300, 400 parents were going through it at our church. It was a great time. Um, but, but, but we had touched briefly on uh, sex, the impact of that, and we had announced, hey, next Sunday, we're going to talk a lot about this subject, porn, even masturbation. And so come back next week, you know. Um, and so we saw this couple from church who had a couple of teenagers and, and we small talked with them in the lobby of this restaurant. And um, I said, yeah, we're going to get into this next week about what we're going to cover next week. And it's going to be really, and, and this man said, yeah, my, my son and his girlfriend, we've had some concerns, but I think they've got it reeled in. But honestly, I'd much rather him spend all of his time looking at porn and masturbating than being physical with his girlfriend. And, and on one hand, I go, yeah, I, I get what you're saying. I understand your desire is for him not to mess around with his girlfriend, cross lines there, you know, teen pregnancy and opportunity, you know, all those different things. I get what dad was saying. But even at that point, I said, dad, you know what? I'm, I'm not entirely sure it's that much better. In fact, in many ways, I think it's worse. Because number one, beyond just uh, uh, being a thought life, but, but you're training yourself to be selfish. You're, you're doing a selfish act and you're learning that sex, sex is a sexual, sex is a selfish act it's about you. And I think in many ways, uh, 10 years of a teenager doing that versus a couple of months of sexual activity, girlfriend, I think it's almost more damaging for his long-term sexual health. Again, you can debate that one way or the other, but again, the reality is Jesus said, this is serious business. We can't just say, okay, adultery is a serious sin. It just probably, it's kind of a minor league, small thing. It's not a big deal. I'm not hurting anybody. No, Jesus says it's just as serious as the other. A third thing you can write in your little blanks there is the sin problem is not found out there but within the heart. 
And we can get uh, serious and troubled by and uh, make arguments for uh, the, the strip clubs and how horrible that is and the porn industry and how horrible it is and how they take advantage of it. All these sins in our world that certainly we need to address and we need to do what we can as a body of Christ to add, add, add redemption or tell the redemption story of Christ to those circumstances, yes. But we can't think somehow that the problem is out there when actually the problem is in here. And again, Jesus addresses this in Mark 7. He says, for it is within, out of a person's heart, that evil thoughts come. Sexual immorality, theft, murder, adultery, greed, malice, deceit, lewdness, evil, slander, arrogance, and folly. All these evils come from inside and defile a person. So each of us, as followers of Christ, who have a commitment to holiness, and maybe not follow through every single day of our lives, but a commitment to holiness, have got to say, you know what? The problem's not out there. What's the problem here? An incredible discipline for each of us related to this subject, but any subject related to spiritual awakening and God moving in our midst and bringing about revival in our land and in our churches is not to go, we need to, they need to, if only we need to get a piece of chalk and draw a circle around ourselves and say, God, bring holiness, bring revival to what's inside this circle. Fix what's in here. Because ultimately, church, we have the power to fix us. Now, we can join God and we can join the body and being a part of the redemption story in our world, and we need to do that. But ultimately, at the end of the day, we can deal with us. And so each one of us should go through the discipline, even right now, considering these issues, going, God, have, do I have a pure heart in this? You know, search my heart, show me, reveal to me whether there's any wayward part of me or, 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 just, or I'm even kidding myself or justifying my behaviors or my thought life. To say, my heart is where the problem could be. All right, what's wrong with porn? I can give you a long list of what's wrong with porn. I can give you a bazillion things of what's wrong with porn. Number one, it's readily available. It is available to us. It is, you can get your hands on it very, very easy. Um, let's look at generational. My dad's generation, my dad has just turned 80 years old. My dad's generation, uh, probably to look at porn, the easy way to do that was to go to some seedy movie theater in the 60s and 70s in some bad part of town and watch something on a screen with a bunch of other creepy people, okay? That was the option. Then, then you had in his, my, my, my father's generation, the transition to where Hugh Hefner legitimized porn, Playboy becomes a thing. And suddenly you have some form of porn that's in the mainstream. Every social media app you've got um, it, it has got porn on it. You can find porn on Instagram. Ladies, you can find porn on Pinterest, right next to the zesty guacamole recipes. You know, you can find porn on Pinterest. Pinterest is really just a browser. So you click enough stuff, and you can find your way in, and suddenly you're there. So again, it, it, porn finds a way to integrate itself into every single thing. Uh, historically, they say that, that uh, VHS, the people driving the VHS industry back in the 70s, was the porn industry. And back in the day, some of you old farts remember this, but there was a big debate between VHS and Betamax. Betamax, anyone? You guys that are 15 older? Betamax. It, which, which format was going to drive this? Well, the porn industry pushed for VHS. We got VHS. Betamax are all boat anchors. Well, VHS players are all boat anchors too now, so it doesn't matter. But I heard the same thing was around Blu-ray and what was the, what's the competitor of Blu-ray? HD, DVD, or whatever it was? Blu-ray, porn, drove that more than anything else. So again, they've, they've integrated everything to the point where now we have porn delivery systems in our pocket. This scares the, the crud out of me, the availability of, of porn. Because again, it moved from public movie theater to buying a magazine at a, at a drugstore or an airport or whatever to completely private, completely anonymous. And now we wonder why $15 billion a year is an accessible number. 
Because again, it's able to drive in a private way where nobody sees and nobody's aware of. It's prolific and it's secret. The secretness, I think, has, has made it happen very, very easily. Uh, number two, for many people, it's acceptable and common. Acceptable and common. Uh, you cannot watch a PG-13 movie targeted at teenagers where there's not a porn joke or a masturbation joke. Thank you, American Pie. I think that was what turned the corner for us there somehow. Uh, just legitimized all that. But even think of how we're desensitized we are um, in the middle of us. It used to be, again, we had to go to uh, a magazine behind a counter of a store somewhere asking for it, you know, put it in a brown paper sack uh, in the 70s or maybe the early 80s. And now you can get on an airplane flying across the country where everybody's got their own little screen and a great menu of movies to watch. And you can sit there in your chair and just kind of scan at six or eight different screens in your, in your seat. By the only one that does that, just kind of being nosy, I'm nosy, all right? But you can just sit there in a chair on a flight for four hours going, all right, there's a boob, gotcha. Okay, there's a naked person. Okay, there's another boob. There it is. Usually coming too, but you know, there's some boobs there. Whatever. But, but you just notice, you suddenly, it's just commonplace. Third thing is it's incredibly addictive. And let's park it here for just a minute. The addictive power of porn. Uh, so here's stats Sunday morning. 60% of our teen boys and a growing number of girls are addicted to pornography. And they describe that as, as three visits to a porn site for an hour at a time. Um, some folks describe it as this cocaine-heroin combination, the addictive powers. Cocaine, a stimulant, where, you, again, you're exploring, you're looking, your heart's racing, you're, you're exploring, you're looking. And if masturbation is involved, where it usually is, uh, then, again, there's this heroin kind of this downer, an upper than a downer. When you do something long enough and you experience a benefit from it in some way, a dopamine rush, your body goes, yes, this is easy. And that turns into an addiction because it's an easy pathway that your brain just by default walks along. Anyone in this room who's ever had any kind of addiction, whether it's a sexual addiction or it's drugs or alcohol or it's shopping or whatever, you know that it's easy to do the thing you think, you know what, I told myself I wouldn't do again. I know that I shouldn't spend money I don't have, but there's a great deal, and you do it and you feel guilty or you're sad, but, but still it's because it's just a natural thing to do because you built a habit of doing it. And the lesson for that is, is we've got to learn a new habit, and that's hard, and that's challenging. But again, it is incredibly addictive. Have you ever known someone that you love that's had a porn addiction? It's easy to say, you know what? You know what's bad for you. Just stop doing it, you idiot. And that's a lot easier said than done. So again, we need to offer grace and help and direction. We'll cover kind of how to deal with that later on. But, but again, it's, it is a seriously addictive thing that we can't take lightly or think it's just a small deal. Uh, fourth thing, what's wrong with porn? It's hazardous to body and mind. It's hazardous to body and mind. Um, it can distort the view of sex and of women. It messes with your brain the same way as I just hear with you, uh, but it also messes with the body. I got PIED and CMS. These are two disorders that... Uh, are debatable, but some doctors have said these are obviously clear things. CMS uh, is, stands for chronic respiratory syndrome. And uh, this is a, a, an ailment or condition that, that a man might get, and this is more men than women, but a man might get where basically he learns to respond to stimulation of his own hand. And when he gets with a real woman, maybe his wife, the stimulation he receives by good old-fashioned sexual intercourse that God designed is not enough to give him the arousal he needs for orgasm. He's trained his body to respond to his hand that nothing else will do. Isn't that fantastic that that's a thing? That's what we've come to. Um, PIED is even more exciting. That uh, stands for uh, porn-induced erectile dysfunction. 
Time Magazine a little while ago had a cover story, two years ago, it was, I think it was April of uh, 2016. Uh, the headline there is, why young men who grew up with porn, internet porn are becoming advocates for turning it off. And the whole article, it was like an eight or 10 page cover story article, was all about uh, these advocates for saying porn's a bad thing are these 20 something young men who have oversaturated their brain with content and, and insights and ideas and pictures and images and videos that when they get with a real life person, and these guys in this article say, you know what, I, I, I meet a girl and we kind of hang out a little bit, we start dating, I'm really attracted to her. And finally, we, we get to a place where we're gonna have intimacy. And I discover when I'm with this girl that I, I'm very attracted to and I want to be with sexually, I can't even get aroused because what I've bombarded my brain with is just so much content that a real life person isn't enough to help me respond. Porn induced erectile dysfunction. You got young men in their 20s taking Viagra just to be able to perform in a real life situation because their brains are so messed up, their bodies are so messed up. So again, this hazardous. Again, talking to your teenage kids, this is something you gotta bring up. This is the reality of what you get when you face this stuff. It is the reality. Number five, uh, it gives an unrealistic picture of sex. Completely unrealistic picture. I think I said this Sunday morning, but I love saying because it it's so much fun. Learning about porn by watching sex is like playing Mario Kart on an Nintendo to learn how to drive. It just doesn't even make it easy, it doesn't even help. It's so far removed from what's, what's real. But there's a whole generation learning about sex by watching porn. And, and it, it affects things. There's couples we work with, these young couples, which are your kids. If you have children or teenagers, it's your kids, the next generation. These young couples we work with. Um, we'll, we'll meet some couple, and it's, it's awesome. We love working with these couples. It's our favorite thing to do. And we'll have some couple that we know they love Jesus. They're committed to sexual purity. They've done their best to try to do that. They're, 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 they're both virgins. They're moving towards marriage. And it's funny. I always know probably the young man has struggled at some level with porn because he's a young man growing up in the 2000. 15, 20, 18, 20s here. I know it's probably a reality. He's had some exposure. That's just kind of an assumption. Very likely he's had a lot of exposure. But it's always interesting. Three weeks before the wedding day, two weeks before the wedding day, we'll get a phone call at our house. Jennifer's cell phone will ring, my wife Jennifer. And it'll be this young woman who's getting married in a few weeks. And she's gotten to know us and she trusts us. And she'll get on the phone and say, Jennifer, um, I'm worried. You know, I've never been with a man. And my wedding is just two weeks away. And, and, and we're going to have a honeymoon. And I'm so nervous. Will I know what to do? Will I know how to please my man? Will, will I, I, I'm just so worried about it. I'm hearing this conversation takes place because it happens occasionally. And I'm yelling up across the room, honey, just tell her to show up. <laughs> if she's in the room, it's going to be fine. Why? Because men are easy. We're easy. Now, what does not happen, there's no guys two weeks before their wedding calling Barrett Johnson up saying, hey, Barrett, I, I'm getting married in a few weeks. I'm, I'm not sure if I'm going to know how to, to please my wife. He needs to call me because he doesn't know what he doesn't know. He is more clueless than he knows, but he's not calling me. Why? Because he's watched plenty of porn. I got this figured out. I, I know how this, I'm good. No, you're, you're an idiot. You don't know nothing. You've been watching a cartoon for the last 10 years. It's not real. It's given you a poor education. 
But again, these young men, they get into married life, they think that their porn education has taught them something. It is, it is so unhelpful, so incredibly unhelpful. A final thing, perhaps the most troubling, porn has the power to undermine the marital relationship. And this is the one that scares me the most, to be honest. Of all the things I could tell you what's wrong with porn, there's a lot of bad things. This is the one that's most prolific or widespread. And it goes back to all these couples we've worked with. Here's what we've encountered. These young men marrying these young women, good-looking, happy, successful. And, and, and these guys, they get married and they've been trained by porn to think a certain way. And here's what they learn to think. They've come to believe that the girl should always naturally and automatically be in the mood. She's a phrase my uh, big brother taught me. She should always be hot and bothered. Should I draw pictures? Are we okay? All right. And, and, and he's learned that. That's, what he's, that's the way girls are. That's the way my wife should be. And he marries this real life girl. And she's a beautiful woman. I look at the, guy, the, the girls, these guys that I know married. I'm like, good job, buddy. You outpunted your coverage there. Nicely done. But, but he marries this beautiful, wonderful girl that he's given his life to, and he realizes a month or two or three or six into marriage, you know what, she, she requires something of me. For, for sex to happen, it's amazing. I have to like press into her heart and connect with her emotionally, take her on dates and talk to her nicely and spend time with her. That's, what I have, that's the heavy lifting I have to do to make intimacy happen. And many of our young men are going, dang, it's, that's a lot of work. And they've been trained to be sexually lazy from point and click all their developmental years. And, and given the choice, you know what, do all the hard work or time and energy pouring, you know what, point and click is just so much easier. And these young men who should be connecting with the heart and lives and minds of their wives are going, settling for a counterfeit. And now again, I, I think that stereotypically, men are more interested in sex than women. That's not a across the board. There are exceptions to that. Fellas, if your wife is more interested in sex than you are, don't tell us who you are because the rest of us don't like you very much. But stereotypically, it generally holds true. But that's by God's design, I think, ladies. You should be thankful because, because what God designed for that to be is a man's driven by sex. Mark Gunger talks about it. I love Mark Gunger. He's a guy you see on the internet. You look him up. He's fun. But Mark Gunger teaches this. He says, you know what? Guys, when that sex drive hits you, it's not just a thing to go, hey, baby, come here, you know, meet my needs. Don't go chasing the girl. When that sex, that buzz hits you, you know, hey, I'm, yeah, I might be interested. It's a reminder from God, fellas, be nice to the girl. Be nice to the girl. Love the girl, pursue the girl, capture the girl's heart. Do the hard work of loving and nurturing and spending time with her. As you do that, she's like, oh, okay. And suddenly there's a payoff to that. But so many of our young men today, I think, are lazy. And they much rather just point and click. And again, that's in the marriages in this room. We have a tendency towards that. But it's certainly parents to the marriages our kids are going to have one day if they get caught up in this stuff. And a lifetime or a, a decade of a man learning this is how sex works will not learn to do the heavy lifting of capturing and containing and loving and, and pursuing a girl all the days of his life. Because again, the girl over here doesn't need any pursuit whatsoever and undermines this thing that God meant to connect a husband and wife and a man to pursue his girl. He doesn't have to anymore because of porn. It's just broken things down completely. I am literally scared to death for my kids' generation of marriages and my kids' peers who've been raised on this stuff because a whole generation of young men 
have, have not learned what it looks like to pursue the hearts of their wives. So here's all the problems. Here's the theology of it all. Let's talk about what we do. Let's get very practical on kind of what we do. Well, that is what we call in the biz a teaser. We'll uh, end with that and let you tune in a week from now for the details of what to do or how to respond or what we can do as families to fortify our homes or to have a plan to respond to this literal threat on our relationships and our families. And so set a reminder for next week to listen to part two of that talk. But for now, we want to remind you of some great resources that we have to recommend to you. In the resource department, as we help our kids, we can start with a great book we love called Good Pictures, Bad Pictures. And it's designed for even the youngest children. There's a kind of younger children version and an older children version. But you can begin to talk about with a picture book you read at bedtime with your kids about what they're going to see online and how to respond to it. Highly recommend that resource. Now, if you've got teenagers, uh, we have two books that we've created in our in-house and info for families. For boys, we have The Young Man's Guide to Awesomeness, and it provides a frank biblical, uh, practical way to respond to a lot of the issues regarding sexuality that affect young men today, but particularly related to uh, this issue of pornography. In fact, the book's got three parts, and the subtitle is How to Guard Your Heart, Get the Girl, and Save the World. And the Guard Your Heart part is all about this issue of pornography. It's a great resource with uh, QR codes that young men can swipe their phones over and pull up YouTube videos with encouraging words and testimonies from other guys. It's a great multimedia resource for guys. And then we just recently, if you haven't heard, came up with a book for young women to read called Meet Me in the Middle. And what's unique about You Meet Me in the Middle is it covers issues about sexuality and pornography and relationships and all these things that we want our girls to be aware of as they grow up through adolescence. But it invites their fathers into the conversation. There's so many books out there for mothers and daughters to read, but Meet Me in the Middle is unique and it's designed for a father and a daughter to read together. Our logic is that most dads want to continue to pour into their daughters through these years of teenage uh, challenges and angst, but sometimes they don't have the the words or the, the framework to tee up those conversations. So Meet Me in the Middle does that. So you can grab both of those at our website at infoforfamilies.com. And then, uh, you know, we love resources like Circle and Covenant Eyes, which are online monitoring and filtering tools for your technology, your phones and your pads and your computers, all the things you have in your home. Uh, If you want information on those, they are affiliates of our ministry. And if you buy them through our website, we get a little kickback, which is always a blessing. Just go to infoforfamilies.com and scroll to the very bottom of the website, and you'll find a little black area that's got some resources we recommend. Circle and Covenant Eyes are both on there. We strongly recommend you have uh, those things to control your technology. And we'll cover more of that uh, next week on the podcast. You can find links to everything that we've mentioned here today and some of the articles and studies we mentioned in the talk earlier on our podcast episode page. Again, just go to infoforfamilies.com and click on the link on podcast up top and find the details of this page. and It'll all be right there waiting for you. We always include a listener question. And so what we thought we'd do is include a question that we had from the talk that you listened to a moment ago. And the question was this, when do we talk to our children, our teenagers about not just pornography, but that's really early. But when do we talk about masturbation? When does that subject come up? Because again, you can talk with a six-year-old about bad pictures on the computer. You need to have that talk with your kids. But specifically, when do you talk about self-gratification and what that means and what it is? You know, you're always there's always this fear of exposing your kids to something that they haven't thought of yet. But here's how we respond to that question. When a young man, I think, hits age uh, 13, 14, either it has occurred to him or it's occurred to his peers. And I'm floored now. I mean, when I was a kid, we just didn't talk about this. I'm floored now 
how in my presentation earlier I said it's, it's acceptable and normative. Um, we had a family friend, uh, their son was at a Christian school and eighth grader, seventh grader, seventh or eighth grader, middle school, uh, Christian school, uh, a field trip, an overnight field trip to Washington, D.C. for a week. And this kid walks into the room where he's sharing with seven other seventh grade boys and uh, three other boys. And three other boys are in the room with porn on TV, all masturbating at the same time. Like, hey, you want to join us? Again, I look back and I just think that, that never would have happened with my peers or in my world. But, but this, was, this happened to this kid at his Christian school. Um, and so again, by 13 or 14, he's either thought about it, he's either doing it, or, or he's got peers, he's aware of it. So I think by 13 years old, you can have that conversation. And I think the conversation needs to be framed in a couple of different levels. Number one, let's talk about the sin part of it. Is it possible to masturbate without sinning? You get a medal if you can pull that off, or so you get a bonus or something. I don't know. I don't think that's a thing. Okay, so I think there's gonna be lust involved. There's gonna be thought life involved, and so again, we can address the sin factor. This is God says this isn't good for us, but but the key thing you can zoom in on, and you can talk about. I think with boys, you talk about chronic masturbatory syndrome. You want to get into this? Here's what's gonna happen long term. Isn't that fantastic? Don't you be a part of that? Yeah. But I think ultimately the conversation you have with boys and even girls is. God has meant sex to be a gift. It's an amazing thing that God made for our good. It's beautiful and wonderful. It's glorious. It shows off how awesome God is. But it's meant to be something given to you and something that you give to somebody else. It it builds relationship and builds intimacy because it's shared with somebody else that you're committed to in a covenant marriage and you give it as a gift to your partner. And your partner in turn gives it as a gift to you. The more you do this thing, the more you're going to train your body and your mind and your heart even that the sex is about me. What's in it for me? And there's plenty in our culture, plenty in media, plenty in our world promoting that mindset. It's about you. Meet your needs, whatever else. And there's someone there, fantastic. But, but hey, it's, it's gratification for you. We've got to indoctrinate our kids with something different. And so I think when we say masturbation is your training self, training yourself to, to, to gratify yourself and meet your own needs, which sounds completely contra- contradictory to what God meant for sexual intimacy to be. Well, before we go, one final word to challenge you as you consider this issue, and that is just simply as a parent related to pornography and explicit content that our kids will stumble upon, your goal should always be to guard and protect, to protect your, your kids' eyes, to, to give them an opinion about pornography, to, to give them an escape strategy when they encounter it, just getting a plan to have a way to respond to it when they see it, and having an opinion about it. You know, it's, it, as you realize, these are typically men and women who are being exploited by an industry that is not set upon their good, that we should pray for those people. We should pray for people who are taking their clothes off or pray for people who are experiencing and showing off certain sexual acts for the camera. And it's really hard to lust after someone you're praying for. So helping your kids have a heart of compassion and mercy upon those who are stuck in that industry is a great place to start. To give your kids an opinion and to help guard and protect them, you're going to have to start by having a conversation. So again, they can't assume that your kids are aware of this or have a mindset about it. As a mom and a dad listening to this, wanting to raise your kids to make wise choices regarding explicit material they'll encounter online, you have to talk about it. So if you haven't had a meaningful conversation with your kids in recent days about what they might encounter and what they might stumble on at a friend's house or on the school bus or in someone else's smartphone, then that's a conversation that probably is long overdue. 
So as a parent, commit yourself to saying, let's make a plan. Let's make a time to sit down with our kids at different ages and have those conversations that need to be appropriate for them. And if you don't know where to start with that talk, take advantage of the resources that are available to you. Our tools, Awesomeness or Meet Me in the Middle for Teenagers, that good pictures, bad pictures is great, but get something in your hands that tees up the important conversations you need to have. Hey, for now, that's all we got today. We encourage you to tune in next week to the podcast for part two of our talk. Uh, in the meantime, we love it, love it, love it when you subscribe to our podcast. Don't just listen, but go over to iTunes or the podcast delivery system that you use and subscribe. If you have a hard time finding this or the podcast app that you use does not have our podcast on there, hey, give us an email at help at infoforfamilies.com and tell us. We'd love to uh, know how to respond and how to get our content on the platform that you love. We're still new at this and figuring it out. As always, give us your For Real Friday post. Let us know what's unique and fun and goofy about your family. You can put that on social media and just hashtag For Real Friday, and we'll share that in a few weeks when we get back to our normal podcast format. That's all we got for now. We love you guys. We encourage you guys to hang in there. God's with you. You're not alone. Build an awesome family. Bye.